It's good to see each one of you here. A special welcome to the visitors. We're glad you're here. And invite you to join in and worship God with us today. I agree with you, David. Rain in July is a wonderful thing. And uh, the rains we had over the past week or two have been a tremendous blessing. And uh, things are green over our way and growing, and that's wonderful. And also, in our neighborhood this week, we had a brand new baby born. The Odorcios, they had their, had a baby girl born this week, makes the fifth child for them. And I told Beverly this morning, a birth is so exciting in our neighborhood, it's usually a death. It's just a, the way it is in our little neighborhood. But we had a birth, and that's, that's the right way to go, you know, it's positive. Well, today for a message, I'd like to think about godly wisdom versus human wisdom. Now, this is a big subject, and we could go many, many different ways with this. We will not exhaust it in any way today. My dad liked to tell the story about the new college graduate's first day on the job. And so it's the first day on the job and the boss hands the graduate a broom and says, your, for, your first project for today is to sweep the warehouse. The graduate says, sir, you must understand, I'm a college graduate. I got degrees, <laughs> and you just handed me a broom and said to sweep the floor. The boss looked him in the eye, and he said, the big end goes on the floor. <laughs> now, we may chuckle at this little story because it reveals several truths about human wisdom. And probably the older you are, the more vivid the truths. Godly wisdom versus human wisdom. A garage door manufacturer that we buy product from many, many years ago was started by two Amish brothers. And over the years, as the business grew, many of the people in management and customer service were just ordinary, hardworking men and women and some with only an eighth grade education. Many of them started out working in the factory and it was noticed that they were people with potential and eventually they worked themselves up into management and customer service. But things have changed in recent years. The company has grown leaps and bounds. It has now been sold several times to investors and with this growth, new, educated people are in management. People who never assembled a garage door in the factory. And with these changes, the old family feel is no longer the same. The customer service is not the same. And us door dealers who knew the old company and how it operated 
find it hard to appreciate the new company and the supposedly better ways. Our delivery driver from this company has been with this company for probably over 20 years. And in frustration, he says it like this, our company has traded suspenders for Harvard graduates and look at the mess we got. You see, it's true. The suspenders may not have had the highest education. Probably eighth grade was all they did. But what they had and what is missing in that company today is good old fashioned common sense and the ability to think well. Our truck driver says in the past, when there was a problem within the company, people worked together to come up with a solution. Now when there's a problem, nobody wants to take responsibility. They pass the buck, you see. It's every man for himself. Godly wisdom versus human wisdom. This past week, I emailed a supplier for a quote on a door part. Several days later, I got a phone call from the manager and was informed that my account was closed and had been closed for several months. And because my account was now closed, he could not give me a quote. Now we have done business with this company for over 10 years. Not a huge amount, but we occasionally buy product from them. And in the past, they've seemed happy to sell us product, even if it was just a little. Now, the reason my account was closed, he said, was because we had purchased less than $5,000 worth of material from them in the past year. And I was kind of taken back and I said, well, I guess it sounds like we need to open a new account. He said, I'm sorry, but at this time, we are not taking new customers. Well, I was taken back and I said, well, Ben is his name, known him for 10 years. I said, I guess it was good knowing you. And then he started getting all defensive like, well, this is not my idea. I'm just doing what I'm told. And he went on and kind of went off on me and I let him talk and he got all done. I said, Ben, it was nice knowing you. And then he kind of chuckled and we talked a little bit. But I told Ben, I said, I will make a prediction. Within the next two years, you will be glad for every customer who walks through your door, regardless of how much they spend a year with your company. That was my prediction, and he agreed. And so today we want to contrast godly wisdom versus human wisdom. What is wisdom? What is human wisdom? Human wisdom is sought through philosophy and man's rational thought to determine the mysteries of existence and the universe. 
The Greek word for wisdom means the ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. Godly wisdom does not look first to man's philosophy or thoughts to determine the mysteries of existence, but rather it first looks to God. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In our day, godly wisdom is under attack like never before, which should not surprise us because the book of James says, human wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. I would like to look now at several writings of the Apostle Paul. And we'll begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'd like to read 1 through 7. Now just a couple thoughts before we read. Paul's parents were Roman citizens, and they were believed to be wealthy. And so Paul, as a young man, was given the opportunity, opportunity to st study under Gamaliel, the foremost Jew scribe and leading authority of his day. And so Paul is very familiar with human wisdom and philosophy. However, he writes, in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And so, how did Paul, a learned, educated fellow, come to such a conclusion? Why is Paul so down on human wisdom? And so let's read in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 7. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with per persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the age, the ages for our glory. We'll stop there. Now, Paul would have had the ability to speak with human wisdom and excellence. He would have had that ability. However, if you notice in verse 2, he was determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. For the purpose, verse five, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, 
but in the power of God. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. And I believe Paul is teaching here that God is first, first God is the ultimate source of all wisdom. And so godly wisdom is from God and honors God. Godly wisdom starts with the fear of God and results in a holy life. Human wisdom, on the other hand, is not concerned with honoring God, but with pleasing oneself. Within the heart of the worldly wise is pride, jealousy, selfish ambition. Human, win human wisdom tends to be self-centered. It's about exalting ourselves. It's about going to the top. And if we have to knock someone else down to get to the top, so be it. With worldly wisdom, we may become educated, street smart, and have a common sense that enables us to play the world's game successfully. However, with godly wisdom, we trade earthly values for biblical values. We recognize we are citizens of another kingdom, and we make choices that reflect that allegiance. And so in a nutshell, having godly wisdom means we strive to see life from God's perspective and act accordingly. That is godly wisdom. You see, we can acquire vast amounts of knowledge but still make wrong choices in life. That's very possible. So someone has put it this way. If you lack knowledge, go to school. If you lack wisdom, get on your knees. And I think that's good. That's a good conclusion. Godly wisdom, like money, does not grow on trees. It doesn't come floating to us on the breeze. God, uh, Paul said, it is a hidden wisdom. Like the gold of this earth, it must be searched out. Proverbs 16, 16 says, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So now let's go to Colossians chapter 2. I'd like to read the, uh, Colossians 2, the complete chapter. Again, another writing of the Apostle Paul. Again, this man that is writing is learned. He's educated. He knows about human wisdom. He knows about human philosophy. He had it all. Well, let's see what he writes here. And as we read, notice godly wisdom versus human wisdom. And notice, too, the bewares. You know, be careful, folks. Look out. Colossians 2.1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches 
of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught according in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Therefore, these things have the appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Now, there is very much we could learn and talk and discuss on this passage this morning. But I will point out a few things that stood out to me. As I said earlier, godly wisdom is under attack today like never before. But maybe it would be better to say that godly wisdom has always been under attack. In the Garden of Eden, when Satan tempted Eve, he questioned God. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat 
of every tree of the garden. What stands out to me in this passage, what stands out to me first in this passage is the phrase in verse 2, being knit together in love. And I believe when it comes to fighting human satanic wisdom, there is safety in numbers. Yes, I believe personally studying and meditating on the word to obtain wisdom is very important. We need to do that. I believe personally getting on our knees and asking God for wisdom. I believe that is important. And I believe personally listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit is important. That is all good. That is all necessary. It's powerful. It's what we all need to be doing. But when the personal obtaining of wisdom is combined with collective obtaining of wisdom, this is even more powerful. And I believe that's what Paul is teaching here. He said, I see that. I see you all are together. You're knit together. Keep doing that. You, you need that to fight this human wisdom that is pressing in on you. And I've said here before, and I'll say it again, but a single duck is a dead duck. When you're out hunting with some friends and one duck comes through, I'm going to tell you, he's as good as dead. But you let a big flock of ducks come in all at once, the ratio goes way down of how many ducks are actually <laughs> shot. It's just there's safety in numbers. A single duck is a dead duck, and two ducks isn't a whole lot better than one, but it's still better. But stay with the flock. Being knit together in love and obtaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, verse 2, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Verse 6 and 7, I believe, is still collective encouragement, but maybe a bit more personal. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And then we have that double metaphor, one taken from farming and one from construction, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And so in the fight against human wisdom, stand together, walk together, stay in the flock, stay in the herd, together be rooted and built up in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men shall be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Another verse I want to point out in this chapter is verse 8. And that verse is, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the base principles of the world, and not according to Christ. 
And I didn't study into this chapter in depth, and so I'm not sure if Paul was writing about a particular group of people or a certain situation, but his caution is to beware lest anyone cheat you. In our day, we too must be aware lest anyone cheat us. There is much cheating through philosophy and empty deceit in our world today. Our English language in our day is being alternated by Satan and his followers. And I'd like to give you a little refresher course on correct English meaning and the usage of several words. And it was out of this little article that I'm about to share that this sermon came about. But let me give you a little refresher course. Now, I don't profess to be an English teacher, but there is some words that Satan is twisting in our very day. And the first word is traditional. The word traditional. Tradition means an inherited, established, or custom, customary, customary pattern of thought, action, belief, or custom. Now, our world, to set, our world today says a man and a woman who choose to marry is a traditional marriage. It, it's, like, it's like eating of the traditional turkey dinner on Thanksgiving. And people, I tell you this morning, the word tradition and marriage have no connection. Marriage is not a tradition. Marriage is a natural law. Marriage is not of human invention. It was created by God. It is part of the creation. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and he shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Folks, never believe the lie that marriage is traditional. That is a lie. That is a word that is being tainted by Satan and his followers. Let's consider several more beautiful English words that have been tainted and now claimed by the devil and his crowd. Discrimination. Discrimination means using good judgment. Go to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs over and over teaches discrimination, using good judgment. Another word that has been tainted and ruined is the word progressive. Progressive describes advancement towards improvement. You know how that word's being used in our day. We read the progressive farmer, right, Nathan? The progressive dairyman. It's about working towards improvement. Here's one that is probably, in my mind, one of the most beautiful words 
in the English dictionary or English language that is being tainted today, and that is the word community. Community is a beautiful English word, and you know where that's being tacked on. Community refers to one's neighbors and town. Gender is another word. It is what one is, regardless of what one pretends to be. We knew that baby was going to be born. We were on the, the list of people to call if they needed someone quickly. But you know, in our minds, <laughs> we never doubted that it was either going to be a boy or a girl. Recently, we had the privilege to go to a gender-revealing party. And the question of the day was, is it a boy or is it a girl? Another word that has been tainted to the point that we can't use it is the word gay. Gay means to be joyful and carefree. In the 1930s, the devil claimed this word and changed its meaning. Another word is diversity. Diversity is the state of being diverse. And just because the word diversity rhymes with perversity, they do not mean the same thing. Perversity is the deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable or unacceptable way. That is not the meaning of the word diversity. Another word is tolerance. Tolerance means tolerance is simply becoming less responsive over time to something harmful. These words have been twisted and tainted by human wisdom. Paul says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. You see, human wisdom is out to steal. It works on us subconsciously. Its goal is to alter our way of thinking. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 2 says, A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. Notice verse 18, if you're still there in Colossians 2. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Verse 23, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. And like I said, I don't understand exactly who these people were who had an appearance of wisdom. 
Was he talking about people in the society around them? Were they in the church? Was it other religious groups? I'm not sure. But Paul says, let no one cheat you of your reward. These people, Paul is saying, are self-centered. They're puffed up and they have a fleshly mind. And I like verse 20. In fact, I told someone recently, the more I studied the Apostle Paul's writings, the more I like the guy. I just love the way he writes. He says, therefore, if you have died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? I want to conclude today in the book of James. You can turn to James chapter 1. The book of James shows us much about wisdom, the evil of human wisdom, the need for godly wisdom, and how godly wisdom is obtained. And I'd like to begin in chapter 1. We'll read 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We take from these verses that God is generous in dishing out wisdom. What he already has done for us through Jesus Christ is immeasurable. And so James says, if you lack wisdom, go to the source, ask of God. He's willing and ready to bless us with wisdom. What we must do is humble ourselves and in faith ask for that wisdom. Ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And I think this word liberally, God giving liberally, you can think about if God had a restaurant, you know, and you ordered a plate of food, it would come out that plate would be full. You would have to ask for a bag or a box to take some of it home with you. And I say that because his son, Jesus Christ, whenever he turned water into wine or when he you know, fed the 5,000, there was always plenty left over. And liberally. And see, Jesus was here representing his father. He said that. He'd talk about my dad. My dad, my father, my father, you see. And now James writes, uses the word liberally. Leftovers. Turn over to chapter 3. I'd like to read 13 through 18. And these verses we can take home with, with us today. And like I said, we, we have not exhausted this subject. There's so much we could say. We could just spend all morning in the book of Proverbs. But maybe this will get you thinking, and, and you can think about this in the next 
over the next week. James chapter 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Human wisdom will always abound. And we can't change that fact. However, we can make a difference by embracing godly wisdom. Today, Jesus is calling us to be wise and shrewd as serpents. But this wisdom is very unlike the world's wisdom. Godly wisdom is innocent, it's gentle, reasonable, peace-loving, impartial, and sincere. Godly wisdom, the wisdom that is from above, is full of mercy and willing to yield to others. The results of such wisdom leads to godliness and peaceful relationships. And so in closing, our lives are the result of all the choices we make. And you know, it takes much wisdom to ensure that our choices come together so that we end up at the narrow gate of eternal life, not the wide gate to eternal destruction. To find the path to the narrow gate, we need to seek wisdom and guidance from God. God is faithful. He will show us the way. In Proverbs 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. We'll call for a closing song. <clears throat>